0: Special delivery I need that Welcome to the Special Delivery Podcast. I am your host, Special. And on this episode, we're going to break down everything you don't know and should know about Boss's album, Milky Way. We talk about stories behind the songs, him picking the sample for Purge, constructing an album with no skips, getting approval from Rosie Perez, and also the Dreamville blueprint as far as revealing layers on each project to give a piece of themselves to their fans. Plus, you know, we had to talk about the upcoming Dreamville. Dreamville Fest and those return of the dreamer sessions and so much more. So let's get into it.
1: What's good everybody? My name's Boss. I'm on here on behalf of Dreamville Records. And we live.
0: Yay, Boss is here. How you doing?
1: I'm great. How are you?
0: I'm great. I'm so happy to have you back. We did creators cut last time. So people haven't checked it out. The link will be there for them to check it out. How have you been? It's been a long road.
1: Yeah. It's um, you know, it's been fruitful. It's mm-hmm. been good. Lots of progress and lots of, you know, memories and and just connecting with people and collaborating with people and, Mm -hmm. you know, seeing the world. I can't complain. Yes.
0: Now, Milky Way. Of course, after it dropped, the thing that everybody was saying was no skips. When you were creating it, was that a conscious thing or was it something you realized afterwards? At what point were you like, oh, shit, it's no skips?
1: I try to do that with all all my projects in a sense. You know, that's almost... uh, the hardest thing is sometimes there's songs that may be bigger records or maybe even be better records, but if you're constructing an album, it's almost like you're making one long song in a sense, so the way the tracks transition in and out of each other, the difference in like the you know maybe the topics they touch upon the tempos, the tones in your voice there's like a way where you gotta be dynamic and keep it changing, but also you know kind of keep a thread sonically going through it. It's always been a conscious attempt of mine. And, you know, I think it just finally, everything clicked.
0: Speaking of the sonicness of it, I remember reading that this was your proudest accomplishment because you felt like you found your sound sonically and you finally locked into something. So I just wanted to congratulate on that. It's no skips, but it also is just a feel-good groove all the way through while still telling your story, telling the stories of other people. Props to you for that because it's so good. And then we start with the first track, Icarus. It's a gorgeous opener and it sets the tone sonically for what we were just talking about As well as thematically and it's also a perfect bridge from Too High to Riot to Milky Way
1: Yeah I'm glad you say that It's true That was, in a, that was like something I was very conscious of It's like okay how do we bridge where we were and like where we're going I almost feel like Icarus kind of closes Too High to Riot in mm. a sense to me So yeah I'm glad you picked up on it.
0: At what point did you know that it was going to be the first track on Milky Way?
1: Uh, f- fairly early, before I even had Ari or like the Higgs do certain parts. I just knew Ron Gilmore and Mees produced that. Shout out to both of them. You know, Mees does pretty much all the Causes records, and Ron does pretty much everything coming out of Dreamville. He's got a hand in. So they they both did that beat, and just I knew the sound I had. You know, I had like songs like Fragrance and Purge, and I knew that those kind of Represented like the soul of the album in a sense, or just like the the direction it was taken in a, a little brighter, you know, more bounce kind of vibe. But I knew I was lacking an intro. It was like the last song that came together was was Icarus. Yeah.
0: Interesting. That's so funny how the last song made is like the beginning of
1: the yeah project. yeah I, I for see. sure. I was looking, I was searching for an intro for a little bit, and that brings us to front desk.
0: I just love the concept of it. Like, you don't have to check in.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Where did that theme and kind of metaphor come from?
1: It's just moving through life, I think, especially where when you start to get busier and sometimes it feels like, I don't want it to sound cold, but like people just want to occupy your time for the sake of having your time as opposed to anything. Constructive or like necessary?
0: Well, in the song, you kind of explain the situation about how she's kind of like flexing on you in a sense. Like, I don't need to know where you're going. Like, that's not going to make me jealous. That's not going to make me more into you. Like, it's such a weird thing. So, like, it's
1: like a call for attention. Yeah. And I, you know, it's just, I'm in a stage at life where like my attention is just a little too valuable. I got to apply it when necessary and when it's meaningful. And then I
0: want to talk about Boca Raton. You're talking about how Derek found the Sango song, and I'm super interested in how managers kind of collaborate on projects? I've had a couple different conversations on this podcast about how the manager will kind of, you know, either give a song or help with a cover or stuff like that. Is there other stuff within this project that Derek helped with?
1: Yeah, I think Derek, you know, is kind of like a creative director in a sense where we can discuss certain things we want to accomplish or or I can try to express my vision, you know, as best as I can. And and he can kind of plug in the holes of, all right, well, then content wise, we need to, create this and maybe we should reach out to this person or you know I'll start getting artwork drawn up or I'll start getting merch designs done you know it's a whole rollout you're working on so you know Derek is kind of wears all the hats.
0: Another theme I was super interested in is you talk about how you found the samples for Purge and
1: for uh, Designer. and Designer. Designer actually MoMA sent that to me. Okay. DJ MoMA. Gotcha. Yeah yeah yeah. Shout out
0: to DJ Moment. Yep incredible for the purge the sample from mike noise do you remember where you were when you found that like were you digging for samples were you listening uh, to stuff what was that no process? so he
1: he's on a song by this band polisa mm-hmm. i think that's how you pronounce it and we sampled them on infinity plus two mm-hmm. so i was always a fan of his work from that record and then i'm like let me just look this guy up because he was he was like a feature on that record I thought his vocal was just so incredible, and then I stumbled upon this Vimeo for this um, just like live session he did, or some like recorded session, like in a house. He's just jamming in a house with a few few of his homies, and uh, you know he just sounds amazing. He's you know incredible songwriter. The, the words, everything he said was speaking to me. It was just it was kind of spiritual. I was in D.C. on I think it was a Four Year Eyes Only tour, and I went to the studio with Ron Gilmore and and Christo, who produces like the majority of Jid's work. And I had that sample and I just I pulled out the sample. I had like the parts of the vocal I wanted to use because they were the, just the things he was saying. Mm-hmm. I kind of, you know, wrote a song around like that message. And then they just got to throwing some drums on it. Ron put a bunch of, bunch of instrumentation on it, that was that.
0: And you kind of talked about how on each project there's a couple tracks on each one that you've picked the sample for. Are there any other ones that kind of stick out in your head?
1: I had the sample for Lit. Mm-hmm. That was a Miguel sample. Shout out to Miguel. Mm-hmm. Let's see. What was on Too High to Write? Did I do it for any record on Too High to Write? Oh, Night Job. That was a Shlomo and Jeremiah had put out an EP. There's like an outro to a record. I think it's called No More. Love that record. The outro's crazy. And I used to just vibe out to it. If you don't produce... You gotta have a way to impact your sonic, you know, or at least give homies directions. Cause if you, you know, you get a sample, that's all like the the landscape you need sonically, and then you could kind of live within that. So I'm learning to do that more and more. It just helps me express like vibes and and grooves I want to hit, and then let the guys that cook the magic, you know what I mean, have at least a little bit of. A direction on my behalf.
0: No, I think that that's important. Like you said, just to fit sonically, it's like okay, I know what I'm
1: looking for. Let me yeah. Let
0: me bring a piece to the table, but not intrude that space too
1: much. Right. You know what I mean. Right. Just, like, you still want to build your doing. sound and have guidelines for how you want to sound, but you gotta let the guys that are put in. 10,000 hours producing music, um, have the freedom and the and the creativity. Cause that's always how it works. That's when the magic happens. Like I can come with an idea or how I think I want to hear it and they will take that and they will make it even better. And I'll be like, oh, all right. Now, now we really, you know, cooking with some grease. So I have a pretty open process. I think that's why I do a lot of collaborating with, within our circle. And even if you look at like my production credits, it'll be like four or five dudes on every record, which is, you know, probably hell for their publisher. but. Oh, it works. It makes. Yeah, it makes for good moments in the studio. It makes for like a fun time creating and it makes, you know, for some magic.
0: I love it. And then we get to Fragrance, which is produced by Cedric Brown. If the people have been listening to you for a while, they already know who Cedric Brown was. What was it like sitting down with him again?
1: Man, me and Ced, it's funny you say sitting down with him again, because we've been like around each other for like seven years straight. Like he's he's on road with me now. He mixes he mixes my sound on road. He's a like production manager, so um, you know me and Sid have been rocking from jump. That song is one of the ones to me that really kind of captures the essence of this album sonically. You know, it's just got it's got so much bounce. It's like it's fun, it's bright. It's got melody. It's got raps. You know, it's a really fun record. I think you know what it was. I think too High to write was like so pensive. You know, it was a lot of thoughts, and it was really kind of like a window into my mind, whereas in this one is more about my personality. It's like if you know me and you've been around me and you hung around me or if you don't know me, it's like a good indication of just kind of like my spirit and how I carry myself.
0: Yeah, it's definitely personal in a way that's, like you said, more of your character work. So I had to write is very much... Your stance on things and like, right. and this is more like warm in a sense of, I'm gonna just kind of take you with me, and some of this journey is gonna be cool, some of it's gonna be, you right. know. I think they're two incredible projects that stand on their own in a sense, right? In, I think in,
1: in we, we talk about this all the time. It's like, you want to. When you create an album or a project, you want every time you want to peel back a layer Mm -hmm. for your audience, you know, and for your fan base. Because, you know, knowing somebody through their music and feeling like, you know, we've had the same emotions or gone through the same things and felt the same way about so much, I think that connection is kind of like integral to our brand as Dreamville, definitely to mine as an artist, and it's kind of what we thrive off of and, and what we excel at. So it's like, I think every time, that's the art in it, right? You gotta find a new and creative way to peel back a layer, to give someone more information and more things to relate to. I think the important thing is you don't wanna do it the same. You know, that's the challenge. Like, you don't wanna do it the same. You wanna be able to keep evolving sonically and with your content. And every time you come back to check in on one of my albums, you're like, all right, well, I know what you've been up to for the past year and a half. I know what's changed in your life and what's the same.
0: I think the peeling back the layer thing is so interesting. I don't hear people describe it like that enough. And I don't even think that some artists think about it consciously. I think they're just kind of making music and they have things to express. But like the thought of really sitting down and being like, "Okay, what layer am I giving this time? And having just this conscious thought of like, this is what we're doing and this is what really feeds the audience. And even bringing it back to Dreamville because you guys do such a good job of giving that. I think back to the first J. Cole tapes, and it's like he was already doing that, and who knows if he was even doing it consciously. So it's like it's something that definitely carries you guys through and kind of gives the fans an opportunity to really know you in
1: all these different layers. Yeah, it's a a deeper connection than just having the hottest single out in the summer, you know? It goes beyond that, like— I've had fans that are like have like invited me to their wedding, you know what I mean?
0: The whole play tribe at your wedding you yeah. is that it might be. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, it's cool. It's cool that, you know, A, we're also pretty accessible people. If you ever see us or run into us or, you know, or any of those things. So I just I like maintaining kind of that relationship with our fan base. Like, you know, we're accessible. We really just like y'all, we're all going through the same things. Mm-hmm. That's what's gotten us here.
0: Such a beautiful thing that leads us to Infinity. Of course, the white man can't jump if the kids haven't seen it, they need to see it. <laughs> Classic movie. At what point did you know that you wanted to tie it in, and what kind of came first? Was it the song Infinity Plus 2? Was it
1: the, yeah, no. From the so, movie? there's a love story definitely being told on the album. Uh, we talk about peeling back the layers, as part of kind of the, a transformation that I go through as a person, and that is then related in the music. So, I could tell. You know, there was, like, a, a core of songs, whether it's everything from front desk to, I would say the other end of that spectrum is tribe, right? There's a growth, you know what I mean? You can take fragrance, front desk, or, like, on one side of it, you can get into your Boca tones and infinity, and you get in with tribe, and you can kind of see a journey there of, like, a span of two years of my mindset and my relationship with women, the women in my life, you know? So once... I knew I had that in the songs. I was like, okay, well how do I spell that story out a little more? And I really hate like overdrawn Yeah, you talked about
0: you didn't want you also didn't want to force it. Like you wanted to find a way to where you kinda give people this idea if they haven't caught it already, like this is where we're at without kinda force feeding it.
1: Right, exactly. I didn't want to spoon feed it. I didn't want it to be some long drawn out interlude. Yeah, those two were just perfect. Then obviously before PDA there's the Bronx Tale. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that one is, I had the songs for sure already, and I just knew that I wanted to slide two movie interludes because I love watching movies and because those movies have had like a, a big impact on me, both of them. And I just think, you know, there's not much better writers than film writers. You know, like every line in both those interludes is like potent. Mm-hmm. Like it says something that you're going to hear it and you're instantly going to feel it. Mm-hmm. Um... I'm blessed, I'm lucky they cleared all those for me. I had to get uh, Rosie Perez to like, I had to get all the performers to give their, and and, like Rosie was like kind of the last one holding out because she she wanted to hear the record first. Mm -hmm. And then she heard the record and she was cool with it. So I hope she liked it. She's a legend.
0: For real? Yeah. Oh, man. That's so, so cool. That leads us to Sanufa. You talk about how Cole made it and that was just the name of the beat. He had made it in South Africa when he was listening to, you know, a bunch of black coffee and all that. But my favorite part of it is how you talk about how that beat pushed you out of your comfort zone. What was that process like? And did you experience that on any other records on this album?
1: None quite as much as Sanufa. Pushed me out of my comfort zone, like creatively, not necessarily what I've been a fan of, because I've, I've listened to house music my whole life. But yeah, I think I always try to gravitate to certain beats that will push me out of my comfort zone, you know, that's just gonna create a different. I think on Too High to Ride, I would say probably like Live For is one of those records. And it's complete opposite of Sanufa, you know, it's much more open and airy and like very emotional. So it makes you tap in, you know, to more vulnerable content. Sanufa, it was just fun. The second I heard it, it was just kind of infectious. So I was like, you know, like, I want to take a stab at this. And, you know, I remember doing it and I remember being like, is this good? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, when you're trying something new, like it's just, yeah. this is good because it was fun. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was fun to make. I enjoy listening to it. Is it good? Yeah. And then I sent it to Eve. I sent it to Cole. And they're like, yeah, this is crazy. You're bugging. Like, it's really good. So I was like, all right, well, it was good to get other people's ear on it. But I felt good about it, you know? I think every time you do it, it's just about staying yourself. Like, I feel like I can jump into any genre or lane or do what I want. And as long as I stay true to me, I'm going to find a way to kind of bend it to me.
0: It's so important, too, just as, as an artist, to be able to... I mean, I feel like all people need to have a good, like, idea of who they are, but especially as an artist so that you can, like you said, bend and kind of do your own thing on somebody else's track or right. what have you. So.
1: That's one thing I don't lose is, like, is just me? That compass, I never lose that, you know? So if, if something is me, I can live with it being, you know, loved or hated mm. as long as I know I didn't compromise myself.
0: I think that's important for all creators across the map. The validation and all that, it's whatever at the end of the day, if you felt good about it and it was true to you,
1: that's all that matters. Yeah, that's the only way to do something new and push yourself out of your comfort zone is is to have that feeling.
0: Definitely. We already talked pretty much about great ones from Bronxdale, but I'm so excited to talk about my favorite, PDA. My absolute favorite, (laughs) just because it's so damn cute. Like, you think (laughs) about when you're in high school and you're talking on the phone all night until your phone dies. It's just so cute. What was it like making that one?
1: It was cool because it was one of those songs you really kind of got to, like, capture, you know? That stage of, like, infatuation is, is, like, early, and I don't like to say it fades, but, you know, love is love. It's not it's not infatuation. It's a clear difference for a reason, you know what I mean? It was cool to be able to tap into that, to be even be inspired to tap into that. It's like a privilege, you know what I mean? That was a cool part because that's, That's not, like, a self-reflective song. You know, it's not a reflective song. Like, you got to be in that moment, and you got to express that thought. If you're far removed from that, like, you can't really tap into it. So it's it's a very honest record.
0: I reference high school because that's when a lot of us really felt those feelings. But it's, like, it's also cool to think about feeling that as an adult because it does happen every now and then. Like you said, it's rare, and you have to be in the moment to really feel that.
1: Right, yeah, it's like any new love, really, like, that... There's, like, that honeymoon period, you know what I mean, where you're just, like, crazy about somebody. And, you know, it's cool. It's cool to be able to express that. I like how many people have taken to that record. I like that you say it's your favorite. Yeah, thank you.
0: Well, because, too, it's—we've been talking about it already. It's authentic to you, but it's also nice for us to get, you know, a record for the women. You can say this whole project is for women, honestly, if women right. actually listen to it. But it's like, you know, we enjoy a cute record every now and then. That's still authentic. It's like, okay, this is boss. like
1: Right. It wasn't a reach because it's, mm-hmm. it's still true. And it's like we said, it's, it's peeling back the layers. Like, I never had records like that on any of my other projects because— those emotions weren't part of that time frame of my life. You know, the, that layer wasn't even really there to peel back. So, you know, it's kind of like the scary part of being an artist, but those are like the fears you have to conquer. It's just like how much of yourself are you going to give? you know but like anything else in life the more you give the more you get
0: yeah because i feel like me and probably a large amount of your audience really loves that record it was worth it for us for you to kind of take that leap because it's like we feel like we relate to you even more and are more into it so
1: yeah i like i think like pda and tribe are that like i said like that side of that spectrum that story that's that's kinda of being told that starts with the the front desks and the and the fragrances and it kinda of ends with PDA and Tribe is there's a journey there, there's a maturation.
0: Definitely. And then designer. I feel like designer is one of your favorites. What was the process making that one?
1: Um, I was in London mm-hmm. with Ron, Christo was there, the Hicks were there with us, my boy K Quick, who's also part of everything I do as far as engineering and producing. Mm-hmm. Who else was the to said? Settles in London with us. Everybody. Yeah, we had a good squad. My homie Doobie, who, who kind of filmed the whole thing on, on film. And we were just doing these marathon sessions. Mm. And my brother, Moma, had sent me the Tom Mish sample. I'm a mm. big Tom Mish fan. I had actually sampled him on something else that I never released. And then Moma sent me that sample. And then instantly we were like, oh, yeah, this is gold. Mm. You know, if you listen to the original and, like, Listen to ours, we just changed the drums, really. Like, he had all that. Mm -hmm. He had all that going. And then Ron played some post-production on it. And um, Crystal did the drums again. I like it. I just like the pocket. Mm -hmm. It's a cool pocket. It's different. Mm -hmm. Like we said, it's it's one of those comfort zone things, like trying a different flow. And I also like the messaging in it. I think it kind of ends Icarus, in a sense. It's like the anti-Icarus record. Mm -hmm. A lot of those... I guess insecurities expressed on Icarus and like frustrations are tied up in like this bow of like just knowing I control my own destiny. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what designer means to me. It's just that moment of knowing like, well, you know, look at everything that you've done, that you are doing and all the progress made and just realize that you are, you know, master of your own destiny. Mm -hmm. I wanted that to kind of bookend Icarus.
0: And then Anything else you want to say about Milky Way?
1: I'm glad, you know, just speaking to you, I'm glad so many of the things that I, I didn't want to spoon feed came across anyway. You know, so I appreciate everyone who, who listened to it with that ear and, and went a level deeper and just took some time to try to get to know me through my music.
0: And then, of course, Dreamville Fest is coming up. I've been excited since... The first date, I... Yeah,
1: we got rained out. ...about
0: that shit so quick. Coming back April 6th. Anything you want to say about it?
1: It It's worth the wait. Everything happens for a reason. I think since then, you know, there's even more momentum around everything we're doing. Jid dropped an incredible album. I think Earth Gangs album will be out by then. I'm, I'm thinking Dreamers will probably be out by then. So, you know, you're going to get even even more than what you paid for on the initial run. Because now, you know, you just got more music to hear. And, you know, we've had more time to put it together even.
0: Of course, you had the Avengers sessions not too long ago. (laughs) I'm not going to poke and prod because that's not my style. Is there anything that you want to say about that experience? Because I'm sure it was incredible.
1: I think just the culture as a whole, we need to come together more often do these things. They're they're good creative exercises. They're good for people's spirits. You know what I mean? You see people gain confidence even just being around their peers and getting on a record. And it was good to see that. It was good to see how open it was, how uplifting it was, how everyone is encouraging each other to work, how everyone is, you know, grabbing people to do songs with them. It was just, it was good to see so many people burying their egos Mm. and... I think egos is kind of something that's plagued hip hop for a long time. But, you know, it's hard to say because it's also fed competition, which is good for hip hop, you know. But I think there's a middle ground where the competition could be less egotistical and more about the sport, and we could do things like that more often.
0: When you think about, sorry to interrupt you, but like when you think about collaboration, you think about competition because you hear all the time like, oh, you know what I mean? Somebody sent me the track and I had to outdo them and then then they had to re-record their verse because I outdid them. So I think there's a great way to have collaboration and competition in the same space that I'm sure existed at those sessions.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's just good to work with all those people. It was even people I'd never thought I would work with just because I didn't even know if we'd be a match you know, and then you get in there. It's, it's like another one of those things. Like everyone gets out of their comfort zone. It's fifteen dudes in a room. Everybody got bars. A beat comes on. Okay, you know, let's make this song. So, you know, I ended up doing collaborations I didn't I never foresaw, and I'm like I'm excited because they came out really good, and I got to build, you know, chemistry with with new collaborators, and you know I can look forward to making more music with those people outside of the Dreamer sessions now. So yeah, I think it's just good, man. It's good for the culture.
0: And it was cool to see it unfold on the internet because as fans, we got these little glimpses (laughs) into it. We saw the golden tickets, we're like, oh, so-and-so's going. And then you see a couple pictures, like, oh, so-and-so, you know what I mean? People are in there together. So it's like, we get excited because at the same time, these are either collaborations that we either always wanted or in the same vein, we never thought of either. So like, we're super juiced. So it's just a real full circle thing as far as the excitement. I think everybody is literally so excited.
1: Yeah. No, it's good. It's a good moment to create, you know. It's based around like positivity and community. That's unlike ninety percent of our headlines as <laughs> as an industry. So it's cool. It's cool to contribute to that moment and be a part of it. It's so so good.
0: And that's it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. No problem.
1: You would be, like, so (laughs) well-informed.
0: You know, I'm, like, your guys' biggest fan at this point. Like, I I get so... Thanks again to Boss for coming by, and thank you so much for checking out this episode. If you enjoyed it, make sure to hit that follow or subscribe button on whatever you're listening on, and then reach out to me, especially if you're coming to Dreamville Fest. Let's meet up. I'm on Twitter, at Special Says, and on Instagram, it's at Special Says as well. As always, this episode is dedicated to Marlon. Do what you can to stop senseless action acts of gun violence.